but yeah no cool so you guys do podcasts apparently yes yes we <laughs> yeah, do uh, we've been we uh, we've been doing it for a year plus we hit 50 episodes which is yeah. a big hey congratulations thank yep. you and was... I like I like to say we're at least we beat Harry and Megan because they made like what four. Yeah, I I, th- I think something like yeah. that. But they get, they have a whole TV show now, so and they like, get they, they get millions of dollars. Yeah, yeah so they, they beat I, us. I, just, yeah. I, what, I don't I can't no matter what I click or don't click on for some reason I cannot get them out of my news algorithms. They just keep popping up. <laughs> just like no, I don't I don't want to know anything about these people. Please stop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, so let's let's see your introduction for our listeners so they don't get lost. So we have a very special guest today. Uh, a few about a few weeks ago, we talked about Vietnam America: A Family's Journey by GB Tran, who we Wait, know. You've from... already done it, but you've already done your episode about it. Yes, yes. I, I, I doing here then? <laughs> so, this is, so this is like to give background, background, you know, like the the, the tidbits and like, yo, got what it, was the struggle like? Got yeah, got it, yeah. got it. <laughs> Like, like, that's why I tag you, GB, so maybe you can listen to it and then maybe you want to come up. I didn't know if you listened to it before. I, I totally, I totally misunderstood. I totally thought you tagged me like it was a podcast, but then like you were going to do an episode. And that's why I was like, oh, well, if you're going to do an episode, do you want to just like chat about it? So I thought this was going <laughs> to, but whatever. I mean, oh, I, yes. So like, think about it like this, right? We were talking about it as like outsiders looking in, but now we got the inside perspective. We have GB Tran. Got it, got it, got it. A little director's yeah. cut action. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So, uh, listeners, we have GB Chan, former <laughs> uh, one of our former professors and author of Vietnam America, here with us today, uh, answering questions. It's going to be be a lot of fun. We've already went off track, but I think it's going to be funnier. <laughs> <laughs> Give me the cash. Is that a Pittsburgh uh, hat? No, it's a uh, paradigm hat. This was a hat from a friend who uh, from the Bronx. Nice. Yeah, no, I'm not a Pittsburgh fan. Um, okay, yeah, York, so I was Yankees. like, that's very non, that's very non second sequitur, but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> I, I, I get it. <laughs> All right, so uh, GB, I guess to start off a little bit, uh, I'm not gonna ask you about like your personal background because that's kind of in the book. <laughs> <laughs> so, I guess I wasn't what I really want to know is what where did the idea for Viet America came from and the, the origin of it. Because I think if I recall from what you mentioned in grad school, I think it was actually, it came from your agent or your agent prompted you. Um. Yeah, it's, it's. A little, I think that was like the, that was the light bulb moment for sure. I mean, the, the, con, the collecting stories about my family started um, in 2001 my first trip back to Vietnam. Uh, Oh no, yeah, 2001. And it wasn't because I wanted to do a comic about it or anything like that. I just was, first time I'd been in Vietnam, I was meeting family I'd never met before, you know, having conversations that I, about things I'd never even knew about. And they were just like really funny, kind of shocking, surprising, all the above. And I just would like, you know, jot them down in my sketchbook or something like that, just to remember them. And you know, over the course of gradual family gatherings after that first trip, I would just pay attention more whenever my uncles and aunts were kind of talking with my mom and dad, you know, and I would occasionally be like, oh, you know, that's funny because when I went to Vietnam last year, someone mentioned this and blah, blah, blah. And they'd expand, you know, so it was, it was really, really natural. It wasn't like I, I'm going to make a project or anything like that. Right. So and then 
what happened was this continued for 2001, seven years almost. Yeah, seven years. Um, just kind of talking and hearing stories and writing things down in my sketchbook. Um, and then what happened was during this time, wait, do you want the short version of this or the longer version of this? <laughs> Uh, I mean, if you have time, we could do the longer version. But I know you well, said. I mean, I've got 24 minutes. <laughs> Let's do the short version. Okay. Short, maybe yeah. I think maybe we'll have you on for a longer. Okay. Longer the short version <laughs> is: while doing this, I had a brain hemorrhage. I almost died. I had the cliche kind of like, "What am I doing with my life?" And then I met Bob, and Bob was like, "What? What? If you could only do one more project, what would it be?" And there was a light bulb that went off. I'm like, "Oh, you know something? I've been collecting stories about my family. Um, what about this?" And he's like make me a pitch and I, I will try to find you a publisher. Uh, I made a pitch. I, it took a year. I didn't talk to Bob for a year. I reached out to him a year later. He's like, Hey, I don't know if you remember me. We met for coffee a year ago. And he's like, yeah, I remember you were thinking about doing a memoir about your family. I'm like, yeah, I got an idea for a pitch. Oh, I mean, not an idea. I finished my pitch. Do you want it? And he's like, sure. Send it over. It was a Friday. I gave it to him on Monday. He's like, I got an offer. And that was it. What? Wow, that that is like you know like how incredible that sounds like that is yeah it's it's yeah <laughs> I know I know even yeah. more so now at the time I was like this is incredible but even more as as the distance in the years go by I look back I'm like that was truly lightning in a bottle kind of thing yeah, yeah. Like, especially for listeners who don't get it, that's extremely atypical for the publishing industry they could take months even years to get to get back to you. <laughs> forever yeah <laughs> so that also true. yeah but that yeah that's the short end like i had a medical crisis revalued my life realized because of things i've been you know stories i've been collecting for the last several years i'm like oh this is really important i should really try to bring this to fruition okay yeah. uh what's it called one of the big things that i've like going through the book i realized was the excuse me the end chapter uh pages where mm -hmm. it's like either the beginning of a chapter or the end of a chapter, uh, where I think you get to flex your graphic design muscle. Yeah, um, this, yeah. this this wasn't. I mean, this is not a a serialized book. So what what, what was the the idea behind those pages? Um, you know, the thing is, like, so my background is as a commercial graphic designer slash illustrator, mm -hmm. uh, and the industry that I've spent the most time in is apparel graphics. You know, like the stuff you wear on T-shirts and clothing and stuff like that. So, and one of the idiosyncrasies I think that about that that industry is that every season you're asked to create work in a lot of different styles. Like maybe do some lettering in a graffiti style. Maybe do like, uh, you know, a a painting of an astronaut on a skateboard. You know, maybe do some water watercolor flowers. Maybe do some vector graphics of like, you know dinosaurs playing hockey or some shit like that. Right. So, you know, I really enjoyed that aspect of the work. I really enjoyed jumping from project to project and style to style from throughout the day, throughout the week, throughout the season. And so that kind of naturally came to my comics stuff is like, I don't really feel like I, I I'm trying to, uh, to be to spe specifically about being America. Like mm -hmm. I didn't want to feel like it had to look a certain way all the time. So those end chapter pieces you're talking about is was always a part for me where it's like, okay, I want to end every chapter in a more editorial, 
you know, somewhat abstract, esoteric, kind of like design focused visual, right? Okay. Just to try to give it a little more oomph at the end. Um, and that was, it was great because it allowed me, because I spent two years working on this project and it was, it allowed me to have those creative kind of like lane changes, right? To then think about like, okay, I'm going to make an editorial piece now. And then doing that, which would always then help kind of my 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 energy or my excitement to go back to the reg, quote unquote regular pages and bring something new to them as well. So it was mm -hmm. a very it was a very like um you know a symbiotic relationship for sure. So yeah, okay, yeah, and also that's the thing about comics, right? Like you wanted at least for me is like the way you maintain the reader's interest is to try to help them think about what they're looking at. Right. So mm -hmm. to have a tell a story, a chapter a certain way, and then turn the page to see that last image, hopefully it, it slows down the reader a little bit more because then they got to use different muscles in their brain to process what they're looking at. Right. Right. Like this page, which was something we talked about episode. Yeah. It's, yeah. The, Cam yeah. the refugees in the map of Cambodia. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's something we talked about in our episode, which I guess I'll send you a link to that you can listen to. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you had listened to it already, but something we talked about uh, is that, like, of all the memoirs we both have read, this was uh, especially visually, there's a lot of attention to the visual design, the visual language of comics, whereas mm -hmm. in, like, at least in our experience, a lot of memoirs are leaning a little more into the writing or the story. Mm -hmm. um, something I wanted to ask is, what was the decision to make it in color, in full color? Because a lot of memoirs, they're in black and white, or monochromatic yeah. yeah um yeah no that was yeah why did i um because up to this point like all the work had been done was black and white i think like in general you know full transparency i'm certainly not re remotely as prolific as other cartoonists like i've done you know i do short stories once every couple of years Beauty in America was obviously the biggest project I've ever done, probably will be the biggest project I've ever done. So my thing is like when I do a project, I always try, I, one of the things I do early in the beginning is like, okay, well, what about this product project visually, not just story or anything like that, but visually, what's something new that I can play and experiment with this, right? So I think that was one of the driving reasons to want to do Vietnam American in color was because at that point I'd never done a project of that scale in color. Um, you know, uh, so uh, there was a part of me that actually wanted to watercolor it, but I realized if I did watercolor, it would have taken 10 years, if not more to finish. So I was like, <laughs> so I'll compromise and I'll say it'll be watercolor light. Um, and then I'll just digitally, digi digitally color it. So yeah, that was the that was the main reason um, for sure, and also because I wanted to, I think color, and you know color as I think, hopefully you agree that, you know the way the color is used in Vietnam America isn't like oh trees are green, sky is blue, yada yada blah blah blah, but it's like specific palettes, some more harmonious than others, some more unharmonious intentionally than others to try to capture. Or, support the the atmosphere or the emotional you know, whatever's going on in that scene or that chapter or that that part of the book for sure um and even even the parts that don't have color like that one chapter in the middle that's black and white right that was very right. intentional <laughs> right
because oh, I thought you just had gotten tired. Like, you know what? I'm going yeah. <laughs> to take a break. Yeah. yeah. Like, uh, I, can't, I can't, I just, uh, yeah, I'm just going to do this like, like <laughs> 20 pages. Um, but no, I mean, yeah, uh, it's, it's like, black and white, but then the ending image of it is um, the only page in the book. That's actual collage of family photos and their mm-hmm. color. Right. So that is truly full mm-hmm. color. That is truly the only moment in the book. That's quote unquote, full color. And I wanted to build up to it by having a black and white chapter to check, suppose, you know, to contrast it, hopefully. Mm-hmm. So, Fancy yeah. Artwork. Yeah. yeah, cool. That makes sense. I was actually going to yeah. ask about that. Uh, that's cool to hear that. And the same thing, too, with like the a lot of the propaganda posters. Yeah. And the page designs being the same. Yeah. Dark. And the Tintin, the Hergé pages were because they were, I use Hergé's color palette, <laughs> you know. That's what I thought. It's That's just like, but I will read them. Yeah. That makes it's sense. It's like, we were, we were talking about, like, these pages look a lot like really bad resume. So, that, yeah. that's great. Um, yeah. I guess to switch gears a little bit to focusing on the writing and the writing process, I guess, what was the idea of including yourself in the book and how much of yourself to include? Because this is a story about your family. And you're yeah. kind of, you are in it, but it's like, did you have to like, there's too much of me. I don't want to make it about me. Or yeah. was it like, I need to put something of myself in it. Um, I definitely felt, you know, I needed to be in as a character to be like a stand in for the reader. Right. Cause the mm. GB, the GB in the book doesn't know anything about his family. Like it's part of him learning about these things. So the, the reader I would imagine doesn't, didn't know anything about my family either. Maybe not much about the Vietnam war at all. Um, so the the GB character is kind of a stand-in for me. And it, it was also just also out of necessity because when I figured out what the book structure was going to be, where half the story would be, you know, before I was born, when my family was still in Vietnam, and the other half would be after they came to the States and their life as refugees when I was born a, a year after they came to the, no, two years after they came to the States, then it was just like, oh, well, of course I've got to be in the book somehow. Right. Because it can't just it it is it is about my parents, but that second half of their their story in that book is me too, because I'm I'm their last child. I'm the only one born in the States. I'm the one that can be the president of the United States. Because I'm a natural born citizen. You know? Um, so that was yeah, that was always part of the intent. And it was I think the it was the key was to to make sure that I that I was writing GB as a character and not me as the way I remember the experiences or remember feeling about that, but really to be like, okay, G this, we got to, this part of this chapter or this scene, this, this part of the, 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 his family history, GB is a certain way because it's gotta be this way because it reflects the, you know, the, the estrangement or the distance between him and his parents and blah, blah, blah. So that was that was the the one of the biggest challenge of writing GB the character was just not to be like, oh, I'm gonna rate my myself in that like idealistic like doe-eyed, oh, I'm learning so much. This is amazing, blah, 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 and all that shit. It was just like, no, she's he's gotta be a specific character here. <laughs> gotta be a specific character here. And these those were the way I remember being as those characters. And it's just leaning into those more kind of things. So. Okay, that's that's cool. I also think of like the other extreme end. It's like The Simpsons where Homer's recalling a conversation with Marge, but he's all like super muscly. Yeah, I idealized. No, I, I I would hope that no one, 
no one reading in America gets the the feeling that I am idealizing idealizing myself as a character. <laughs> Wait, you can consider <clears throat> the character of GB Dozer says. But. Mm, that makes that makes more sense because I mean that I thought that was pretty amusing, um, especially the uh, transition of the character of like you know being not only a uh, first generation American, but like, yo, I don't care about any of this. You know, I'm like, I'm here. Like I want to bring my super Nintendo or something to being way more appreciative to the understanding of the, of your family history, which I think really shows the uh, emotional and character arc of uh, GB. Yeah. It's, it's weird talking about you in the third person like that, but I'm just... no, but that's, it's important. It's I like, I'm working on a project right now. You know, I'm working on a project right now where I actually had, um, it's about a person's life who's alive. So we had a ton of interviews with each other. And whenever I talk about the project with the person, even though she's the character and it's inspired by events or life, I'm like, let's say her name's, I don't know, Mary. I say, okay, so in this, in this chapter, Mary, the character needs to blah, 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 because it's really hard. I think for people um, uh, to, to separate themselves from who they are versus the character of their story. And I mean, I, I should say, I shouldn't make that broad generalization, but it was, it was hard for me. So I had to be very clear to like, this is, there is a line here. There's a separation. And it's just like, it's not about me. It's not about me. It's not about me. It's, it's me, the character, but it's not about me. It's about GB, the character, GB, the character's mom, GB's the character's dad, you know, kind of thing. Right. Mm. Okay. And then kind of adjacent to that, did you have like a similar struggle with the members of your family, your mom, your dad, and your brothers? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh man. I, I gave, like when I finished the thumbnails for the entire book, you know, before the, the, the final stage, before you actually start putting pen to paper and making final art, I gave it to my parents to read because I didn't, I wanted to vet it through them, you know, and to make sure they were cool with it. But I didn't say anything <laughs> like, you know, there's, I don't know if, if you picked up on this, but there's like a, a scene in one of the chapters where my mom makes an allusion to how my dad like physically abused her, you know? Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, I'm like, really? You don't, you don't have any issues with anything you just read. And they're like, they didn't say anything so i'm like okay great <laughs> um, i mean i know there's that scene where you mentioned that your your dad was telling you you know why are you, why are you going to be an art major you know that's yeah. as an asian person with asian parents i know what that that stereotypical thing which yeah. i thought was really funny because like wait wasn't he an artist you know? right like that, i think that was the, the big the big thing about that because it's like yo he was an artist he was very successful his son is trying to become an artist like no don't do that it's like what? That's because he got burned. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't want his son to go down the same path and experience the same pain and trauma. So, haha, -ha, jokes on him. I'm still doing it and experiencing all the time. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, I, I'm just kind of curious because I know I've met other people who, when they talk about their families, their memoirs, they get like various mixed reactions. <clears throat> you know, I know the Cole mentioned that her mom, it, gave, oh, your mom, yeah. mom gave her a bad review on Amazon. <laughs> What? Yeah, she, tried to, she tried to review Bob the book. Uh, what? That's hilarious. Yeah, I know. Like Craig Thompson, who's talking about like his family wasn't super pleased, and his ex, you know, the ex girlfriend. That's, that's about interesting. But you know, look, the only two people I showed it to is my mom and my dad. 
And the reason why I showed it to them was because they were main characters in the story. So, uh, you know, I wanted them to know what was what was happening. Because up to that point, they knew I was working on the project, but they had no idea how it was going to be and how serious or not serious it was going to be. They they just thought like, ooh, comics, this can't be good, right? So <laughs> I showed it to them, not so much. I think a lot of it was just to kind of put any concerns they have at ease to be like, like I'm, this is a real story. I'm treating it sincerely blah 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 but i didn't like show it to my siblings i didn't i didn't i didn't think there was any need to show it to my siblings i didn't show it to like doe i didn't show it to my uncle you know uh in vietnam even though he's another main character i was just like this shows my mom and my dad that's it <laughs> okay that makes did, sense. You, did you get any reactions afterwards it's like you should have drawn me more handsome or anything so uh, <laughs> not from my parents um uh I think my brother's he I can't remember how long after the book came out but at one point we were talking he's like oh so I finally I uh, read Beat America and I was like really like, what'd you think he's like yeah it's pretty cool that's it <laughs> <laughs> that's it like uh my my sister V which understandably she wasn't much of a character in it so she didn't have anything to say and my my sister Lisa, the eldest, she she had the most to say because we lived in New York at the time. So mm-hmm. when Vietnam came out, I was still in New York City. We lived like 10 minutes away from each other in, in, in Brooklyn. So we were pretty close and we were having lunch. And I, I this is the one reaction I remember with great clarity. We were having lunch, lunch in Union Square. Um, and uh, she was like, She's like, I read your book. It's like, cool. What'd you think about it? And for for anyone who hasn't read the book, the way Lisa is portrayed as a character in the book as my eldest sister is she's very sharp tongued. She there's like every other thing she says in the book has profanity in it, um, you know, uh, and that because that's the character I, of her that I wanted to portray. And that's the Lisa I know. And to the point where I remember one with Crystal clearly, one of her responses, the book was like, you know, the way you portrayed me in the book. And I was like, yes. She's like, I really don't fucking cuss that much. (laughs) I was like, what? She she wasn't joking. She just, she literally said that. No, she, no, it was that. She was not being, she was not making a joke. She was being my, my sister, which is the sister in the book. (laughs) So I'm just like should have said like run that one back to me one yeah more I time. know it's like, like but yeah 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 that is wow okay uh so <clears throat> before you get out of here right like the I think the big burning question about this is the experience within the book publishing world mm-hmm. right um what were some of the changes that editors had asked of you mm-hmm. if any or at all and mm-hmm. um did you like give any pushback or anything like that? Yeah, no, that's a really cool question. Um, I will say the people, the people I worked with were wonderful. I, I, you know, them, the person who led the campaign to acquire it, the, 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 the first offer that came in, Mm -hmm. which is who I ultimately went with, you know, just for context, he, we, he knew of me because of all the conventions I'd been doing for like years. You know, we, he'd always come by my table at small press expo He'd come always come by my table at um, you know uh, Mocha in New York, like at TCAF, San Diego Comic Con, and the Small Press Hour because he was he's been in comics the entire time. So 
we we had he knew who I was. Um, he was familiar with my work, and you know he always stuck in my brain. So, uh, so the the reason why I say that is so he was the one that led the whole charge to acquire the project because it wasn't because of just the pitch, but because he's like, hey, I know GB, I I you know every year, every few times every year I say hi to him at a convention. He seems normal. <laughs> he seems responsible. <laughs> he doesn't seem like he's going to like take the money and like completely blows deadlines and never de- de- deliver finished product, yada, yada. So, you know, I really appreciated that. Uh, and as such, I think there was also an understanding of like the things that I wanted to try to do with the book because he'd seen my other work. Uh, so as far as editing stuff, the the actual editor I worked with, she was wonderful too. Uh, the biggest feedback was one chapter was not working, um, in their opinion. And I was like, okay, cool. I'll just throw it in the trash can and start over then. (laughs) And it turned out to be a much better chapter. So, um, no, I'm, I'm very, I'm very open to feedback. I, you know, I, as as you two may or may not agree, I, I do I do feel cartooning is a pretty solitary experience, um, especially for me for my generation of older cartoonists where there wasn't such a strong like online community and stuff like that. So for me in America, I was like I love giving feedback, you know, and I didn't get very much of it. Uh, so that was cool. But the feedback I did give, or I mean, the feedback that I did receive, I happily took it and reevaluated the work. And I was like, oh yeah, you're right. This chapter is not working. I need to totally scrap it and start over kind of thing. So, yeah. Yeah, that's definitely not that feeling. And then here's a question that I wanted to make sure I wanted to ask you. I'm very curious about but it. Now, it but now you want to ask. Now you now you you decided you want to ask. Well, it's like it's like this. I wanted to make sure I get this. And you can feel free to not answer this question because it might be kind of sensitive. But how did how did you feel about like how the book was marketed and like kind of the mm. Yeah. You know, it's it's numbers in terms of if it's sales and when it was launched and whatnot and support from the publisher. Um, well, you know, I don't think, I don't think what I'm sharing here is going to be sensitive information, but the, the initial, the book did not perform as well as the publisher hoped, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it did not, it just did it. Maybe it <laughs> uh, so, uh, you know, I, as far as the way the marketing and stuff like that, yeah, there, there's the whole there's a whole conversation about right. Okay, what's the marketing angle? Is this like an Asian American story? Is it an immigrant story? Is this like a person of color? Blah blah blah. Yada yada. Um, but I would say for me, that all that stuff really didn't come into play because, in my opinion, um, when it was time to market the, my book. You know, because marketing starts like, I don't know, six months, nine months before some the pub date of something. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of felt it completely went by the wayside because um, the same time that my book was coming out, my publisher had another uh, book coming out. Um, it was by a author maybe people have heard of, George R.R. R. Martin, um, and it was A Dance of Dragons. <laughs> <laughs> so 
my publisher, at the same time my book was coming out, same time marketing would have happened for my book, what they were preparing for this, this the, the, the a book the entire universe was waiting for for like a billion years to come out. And it was finally coming out. So everything, all their energy, all the resources went into that. Understandably so, right? Just got the HBO deal, blah, blah, blah. It's going to be big, blow it up. Um, so, you know, I kind of, in a, to answer your question, Eric, I would have been interested to see how they would have marketed it if it was actually had more resources. Because <laughs> uh. <laughs> I don't know. I honestly, I don't know how, the, I, I didn't get a clear impression of like how it was marketed. So. Mm. Okay. Well, I bring that up because of like, I've run into a lot of people. It's particularly in the last year or so who like books have, have, have projects have been canceled or fallen by the wayside for factors that have nothing to do with the quality of the book or any mm -hmm. fault they're in. It's like yeah. there are eternal shifts on the publisher and stuff like that. Yeah. But I've known is that like, I was just kind of curious, did that, did that leave like a bitter taste in your mouth? It's like, I'll never work with this industry ever again. Or is it like, um, I heard that's how it is. I'll give yeah, it a shot. Yeah, I just, yeah, I don't know. I just, no. Because <laughs> I just, it is, it is what it is, right? Like when I'm, if an agent doesn't, let's, let's go to an example. You reach out to an agent. Let's say you got an idea. You reach out to, you query agents. You query like, I don't know, 30 agents or something like that. And let's say maybe only 10 get back to you. And only out of those 10, only two actually like wrote an email. All right. It's like, well, what about the other 20? Like, I'm not going to be like, oh, these, those persons are a-holes. It's just like, it's just the reality, you know? Like I look at it from the agent, agent point of view or it's like, okay, as an agent, the only way I make money is if I sell books. Cause I get a 10% fee off of a book I sell. So if uh, people, if I'm getting like 50 books a month of pe people are saying like, Hey, can you represent our book? Like, and I can only take on like two, then that's where my energy goes. And like, yeah, maybe then I can respond to those other 48 and be like, Hey, no, appreciate you reaching out. Or maybe you don't even don't, you don't, you don't even respond, you know, because this is like, hey, I don't know. Everybody's just got to put food on the table somehow. Right. And this is the publisher too. Like, look, yeah, Dance of Dragons was coming out. I get it. You're going to make a, a quadrillion dollars on this book. Why would you like, why would you like do anything for Vietnam America? You do you like, you'd be lucky if you break even with Vietnam America. Wow. <laughs> you know? wow, that, that is a very mature. Uh, <laughs> like so this is like, I, you know, get it. There's nothing. It is what it is. You know? Um, so yeah, I, I think, yeah, obviously you wish things turn out differently, but I, I, uh, you know, I, there's a, this, this great post I saw at a, at a, at a my kid's school in the office, they're like counsel office. And it was just like a poster said, uh, I don't, I don't think too much about the past because that's not the direction I'm going. Mm. It's like, Oh, that's pretty good. <laughs> Bars. <laughs> I like that. So, okay. yeah, but yeah, no, it's, yeah, I mean, that's that's currently how I feel about it. But hey, I don't know. Maybe that opinion will change. Ask me in a year. Maybe I'm just like, ah, oh, man, done with this shit. <laughs> you, don't, you don't think of like the the multiverse, the alternate reality where the oh, book, yeah. <laughs> that book made that GB into a millionaire. And became, well, that, yeah, the multi, the alternate a, a GB became show? a doctor. 
So, <laughs> oh, <laughs> there's no alternate GBs doing comics. I think that's there's only one GB in the multiverse that does comics. It's probably like twenty that are doctors and like maybe fifty that are engineers, but the, the, the others are lawyers. More than one cartoonist GB. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, so, that makes uh, sense. So thank you, GB, for taking your time out of your busy schedule to talk to us. <laughs> no problem, man. Yeah. yeah. And then, uh, uh, so, well, you get sorry. a chance to listen to our episode where we covered your book in detail. <laughs> yeah. And, and since we have you here live, I wanted to talk about uh, real quickly uh, Fatherhood Survival Guide. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and how you've essentially been doing a, how you've been doing uh, a one page comic a week. Um, is that going to be released um, altogether? Like, how or is it going to stay? Yeah, you know, I, I, it's strictly a vanity project. No one's knocking down my door. Um, but uh, the part of me has begun thinking, like, holy crap! I've been doing this for so long now. I can actually make a book out of this. And mm-hmm. yeah, I think I'm gonna kind of mull it over for the next couple months, and then if I do decide to move forward, I would just try to see if I could do a Kickstarter campaign. You know, okay. I wouldn't like package it up and shop it around to publishers or anything like that. I'd just be like, all right, let's see if I can kickstart this and just do it. Mm. You know, because right. you know, that's definitely probably would you if Kickstarter had existed back with Viet America, would you try to kickstart it? <laughs> 2010, uh, probably whatever. not, because I knew I I had an idea that it how time consuming it would be to work on. I don't think that would have yeah, I don't think <laughs> yeah no no mm. <laughs> no i mean if i do something if i do a kickstarter for fatherhood survivor guide it would be literally maybe for like i don't know eight thousand dollars to print some copies and mail it out to supporters and that's it you know okay just and then just real quick for our listeners because i don't know if we said this would you like to briefly explain what it is so people listening might check it out Oh yeah, it's so I started in the time of co- in the age of COVID. I started doing a weekly comic, uh, online comic, a simple traditional two by three grid six panel comic. You know, like set up, set up, set up, jag, uh, um, gag, and twist ending, possibly just like very formulaic. Um, and the reason why I started doing this, I don't think I ever actually did explain this in any of the comics, but. I did this because when COVID started, some projects that I were had on the burner fell through. And suddenly I was just like, oh, I still want to make comics. So I just started doing this weekly thing as an exercise. Um, and I mean, I took some time off in 2021, but for the most part, it's it's continued. And yeah, suddenly now I have like a bunch of these little six panel gag comics <laughs> about everything from... You know, my my kids, raising kids, to being a cartoonist, to my day job, to my wife, to living in a small mountain town that I feel very out of place in. Like, yeah, just random things. That, and they're very, they're very topical. Like, you know, when I started it, the idea was I'll sit down at my computer. I will come up with an idea. I will write it and I draw it and finish it before I get up out of the seat. Um, because it, it's not like something where I'm like pre-playing and writing stories and stuff like that. It's literally like it's 99% of the times is something that happened like a few days earlier. And I was like, oh, that's funny. I'm going to make it in a comic. <laughs> that's yeah. cool. All hey, right. you know, uh, Hanselman got an Eisner for being a COVID webcomic on Instagram. So. Yeah, that, I love it's, it's, Yeah, that's <laughs> So, so you know, think about that when it comes time for Eisner submissions. Uh, yeah. 
<laughs> no, no one wants to read comics about a dad. <laughs> I feel like though I feel like in this day and age, everyone wants to read a comic about a dad. What 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 multiverse I'm, are you from? What's I mean, that? you think about it, right? Like you gotta think about the like, dad jokes, dad hats, dad bod, dad comics. Yeah, but I don't know if that's like I don't know, man. If they are, they ain't reading my comics. Hey, you know, this <laughs> is a show about a dad that went on for like seven or eight seasons. Yeah, so, you wait, never know. Are you talking about <laughs> what? Wait, what show? Modern Family, that guy that it's a guy from Married with Children, but I guess he's he's playing a confident dad this time. Yeah, right. Modern Family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I no. say this as someone who never watched a single episode. I mean, if, if, if you two know some inroads with like uh, dads and you know to increase traffic, then by all means, please float it their way. <laughs> Oh, I, I look at it. I, I look. I mean, the, by no means do I think this should be a metric for anyone to be evaluating that how with the direction of their work or the growth of their work. But I, a part of me is just like on my Instagram feed. I think, okay, if I at least kind of get one new follower when I post this comic that took like you know, four hours to make, that'll be a that will be a success. So that mm. that's my metric right now. If I get one new follower every time I post a giant comic. <laughs> okay. Uh, good metric to follow us. There's because me and Phil are doing pretty much the same thing of our comic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you gotta you gotta take your victories where you can find them, man. That's it. Yeah. I yeah, think one... that's uh because I know you gotta get going. So thank you once uh, again, GB, for joining yeah. us. Yes. And uh uh what uh, how can people reach out to you? Like what how can people Oh yeah? Um so if you're on Instagram, then I'm just fatherhood survival guide. Um, if you're not on Instagram, which is totally respectable, I wish I wasn't on it either. Um, then you can actually just go to fatherhoodsurvivalguide.com and read all the comics for free. Um, and then my, my website too, you can see my work is gbtran.com. Pretty easy. gbtran, first name, last name.com. Yeah. Gotcha. Yep. All right. And then you can find Viet America at your local bookstore or comic book store. We highly recommend that. Uh, or tell a library. Yeah. Or, or your library. library. Tell me. You better. This is the craziest. We'll end in this really random anecdote. There's a copy of Vietnam America in the library where I live. This in this place. And when I found that out, I was shocked because someone I met was like, "Oh yeah, I after I, I found out what you did, I went to the library and they had your book and I checked it out and I read." It. I'm like, "What? Impressed in Arizona? WTF?" <laughs> and then I found out after the fact, the reason why the library has a copy is because my father-in-law bought it, read it, and donated a copy to the library. <laughs> wow. That's, that's, that's full circle right there. Oh, uh, like, uh, yeah. Yep. Uh, on that note, I'm Eric Long. Uh, I'm Fleming. And then GB, something we do in our podcast is that we have a sign-off. We say we are whatever 90s 2000 early 2000s tv show so like so we like to give you the honor as our guest what 90s early 2000s tv show you say this this podcast whatever you feel like fits the tone doesn't fit the tone just whatever happens maybe something you just have to be watching lately right uh yeah okay i'll go with uh we are avatar because i'm rewatching it for the third time now the greatest cartoon ever made (laughs) I completely agree with that. Yeah, it's good. Mid two thousands, that counts, right? Yeah. Right? You said well, you said nineteen nineties, two thousands, right? Yeah, or, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. we used to be like to do the early 2000s, and that's where our childhood. Well, well, well. I mean, technically, that. technically, Avatar is like Avatar came out what uh, 2003. Yeah, like 2001, dude. Like, oh, like, oh, I was in college. I was in college when it came out. Oh, I was in high school. Wow, that's crazy. Hang on, I'm I mean, Wait, now nah, don't don't sign off. Yeah, now I gotta find Avatar right. TV. Last Airbender, not not the. Uh, not the oh movie. yeah, thank you. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> good call. Good call. Very good call. Yes, Avatar: yes. The Last Airbender ran for three seasons, debuted on February twenty first, two thousand five. If you've never seen it before, oh, you should watch it. Oh wow! One of the greatest cartoon, certainly the greatest cartoon of all time. One of the best shows of all time.